Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Denisons. The Denisons. The busiest in the biz. You do know who it is. It's Dennis Quaid. That's him. So here we are, the Denisons, and we finally have on Mr. W. Bruce Cameron, who is the writer of A Dog's Purpose, A Dog's Journey, and... What's the third one? I I don't I think it's got like a dog's motorcycle manual, a, a dog's, <laughs> dogs dogs repair a dog kit forever. Yeah, that's it. Uh, dog's promise is the next one in the series. The dog's promise, which uh, I have been reading, just about done with, by the way, and uh, I can't wait to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. When are we doing it, Bruce? When you know we just sent the script uh, to the producer like yesterday. Uh, this is the rewrite, uh, like the third rewrite, I think. So we're uh, now it's up to, you know, the Amblin and COVID and everybody else. Boy, oh boy. We'll see. Uh, we could do it in Iceland or something like that. Where they, yeah, <laughs> I think it's about, it might be a, a dog Zoom meeting. I don't know. Uh, I'm actually starting a movie coming next month. Reagan. Oh, excellent! I'm gonna I'm gonna play Ronald Reagan, uh, and we're gonna we're doing it in Oklahoma. Fantastic! And uh, so far, they're letting us do it, so I'm gonna keep on keeping on. But I'm really looking forward to our third installment. And I also, I'm looking here. You wrote a dog's perfect Christmas. Dog's perfect Christmas. That's the new one. That'll be out in October of uh, 2020. So it's coming right around the corner. Look, when I write a book, they make me make it into a dog's something, right? But it's uh, yes, it, it's a dog's. It's a it's a family at Christmas. They're having a lot of problems in the like all American families. They're having some problems, and then into it all comes a little puppy, and the puppy changes everything. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's a feel. Well, good. What are we it, doing that one? Well, you know. <laughs> Because uh, I want to be in all of them. I just love, I really love working on the stuff that you write. It, it just makes my heart feel good. And I love going to the theaters, especially with my kids. It was the only time uh, watching A Dog's Journey and my kids who were now at that time, I think 10, and they turned to me and they went, I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you brought Ethan to life. I mean, you're the face of Ethan now, and and uh, you're I'm the dog book guy, and you're kind of the dog movie guy. Well, uh, that's that's fine with me because yeah, good. Uh, I've just been a dog guy all my life. I, I remember uh, when I was asked to do the uh, a dog's purpose, my agent called me up. He said, Dad, this script it was from a book. It's it's called A Dog's Purpose, and I hadn't read it at the time. And I said, well, okay, George, well, tell me the story. And he got three sentences in. He said, yeah, it's uh, about the dogs, and it has a relationship with a boy. And then, you know, he dies, and 
but that he comes back with reincarnation. And then I said, George, you have to stop right now because I'm not going to cry in front of my agent <laughs> on the phone. Just, just say yes. Send me the script. Yeah. And we'll do it. Yeah. And the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many of my fans tell me uh, that, uh, well, they, they all seem to think it was somehow my decision to cast you in the movie. They, they I, I don't, I don't explain. Oh, it was, him. was it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I made all kinds of decisions. <laughs> I, don't, I, I basically, the one thing I will tell them is that when I'm on set, uh, I'm always rolling around on the ground with the stars of the movie. But, but I always say, but not Dennis Quaid, the other stars, the, the four-legged stars. Well, I grew up with dog movies, a lot of them being my favorite. I mean, there was Old Yeller, which is, ugh, boy, that's the real tearjerker, where the boy... Old Yeller, I think, has rabies, right? Right, and at the end. The boy who is kind of responsible, his father gives him the gun to shoot Old Yeller. It's just Real like uplifting story, right? I th I threw the book at my father when he gave it to me. I said, when I finished it, I threw it at him. I said, what do you, I hate you for doing this to me. Yeah. And the other one is uh, one that I read when I was in fourth grade and started crying right in the middle of class, which was uh, where the red fern grows. Yes, of course. And of old Dan and little Ann uh, were two like hunting hounds yeah. that this boy in the, the backwoods buys. And uh, uh, what a story they have. It's, it's a beautiful story. And so when a dog's journey came along, dog's journey, I mean, you, you took it into reincarnation and that just, made the difference about everything really because uh you know it, we get we have we who are dog people have how many dogs can we have in our life you know they live to be what an average of what 10 years 10 years maybe yeah so they're, yeah they're coming in and they're going out when we all continue to go on and uh somehow it's sometimes it seems it seems like this the same spirit you know? I do believe that the the if if not the same dog, the same love can come back to you. You can get the same relationship with a different dog, and right. that was the that was the reason I told the story to Catherine in the first place. She didn't want to get another dog, and so I made up a story on the spot about this dog that reincarnates, only to convince her that the same love is available. You know, you get another dog, it's going to love you as much, and maybe in a different way, or maybe in the exact same way as the dog you just lost. And really? yeah, and she, she, uh, her reaction to it was, you have to write that as a book. I didn't know when I sat down to write this story that I had told her that it would become what it, what it has become, which was a real, you know, career changer for me. And, uh, I know that the people have told you that of, of all the movies you've been in among the classics uh, that you've brought to the screen has been a dog's purpose. Wow. Your daughter has really inspired a few books from you. Yeah. As is she. The first one, which was what, what, uh, how to date my eight simple. Yeah. Eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. That was, that, yeah. uh, that was in reaction to having teenage daughters, which is just miserable. And I'm sure they're not enjoying it either, but for a father, it just seems like you're, be, you're just being subjected to way too many stresses. And I just wrote this thing about, 
teenage boys coming over. It was like being in a zombie movie. You know, they'd come out of the woods, they'd come up and knock on the door and they'd look like zombies and they'd smell like zombies. And I, I was like, <laughs> get go away, go away, you know? Uh, and so I, anyway, and that's why I wound up moving to LA is that got to be a TV show with John Ritter. And, uh, it was on the, on the air for until he died. And it was, it was, uh, and I'm still here. You know, I, I came out just for that show, but I wound up sticking around. Yeah. He was a great guy yeah. too, but I could use a lot of advice. I have a 12 year old daughter now who's about to turn 13 and, you know, I have twins. And yes. so she's got a 12 year old brother as well. And so I, I hope maybe that's a good difference <laughs> <I don't. laughs> having, having him around, you know, so he can know the score, but, uh, I think that's going to be tough. Those uh, preteen years, I always call the, it's the tornado before the hurricane. So just hang on to, hang on to peaches, hang on to your dog, because that's, that's going to be your, your rock of stability now going forward. Yeah. No kidding. And she's still, you know, she's going to be in the next one. You know that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get peaches in the next one. She's going to the next. She's practicing her jump right now. <laughs> I've got her doing it. I know. Believe I it know. or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it about, about dogs? I mean, you've had dogs, I would assume, all your life, right? I met my first dog when I was the same age as young Ethan is in A Dog's Purpose, eight years old. And my dad opened the backyard gate and in came this Labrador puppy. And the two of us ran into each other like we'd been separated at birth. And it was just, and I don't remember not having dogs around. And it, it, my parents quickly figured out they, they preferred dogs over children. So we always had more dogs and we did kids and it was just i grew up with the pack oh so you had more than one oh yeah growing up oh yeah yeah i had dogs all my life as well i mean from the time that i can remember first dog tex that's when i was about four years old it was a cocker spaniel tex then we had rex and then we you know but i had gertrude who uh <laughs> my dog gertrude which i got when i was 11 my dad brought her home she was a rescue basset hound and from the time it was about 11 until uh, 19, uh, she was, I don't, I think she must have been about three years, three years old when we got her or something like that. But she was probably the closest relationship I've ever had with a dog yeah. up until Peaches. Oh. And sometimes I think that it's Gertrude. Oh my. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, you and I talked about this on set that the that the relationship between people and dogs started in prehistory, and uh, and it's not just that we we know that we seized control of dogs and we turned them into dachshunds, into labradors, and whatever we wanted and needed to hunt. You know, we've got rat terriers, whatever it was we needed. We we had control of their DNA. We didn't think about this of course, but they were also changing us because we, those of us who could get along with dogs and especially when it was the paleolithic, we were just learning how to, how to master this new technology of a domesticated animal. Those of us who could get along with animals, especially, well, get along with dogs, get along with wolves. Uh, we were more likely to reproduce, more likely to survive. And so we've co-evolved. And that's why we can feel such a connection with this animal is because they literally helped us survive and prevail when we were at the brink of extinction. Yeah, I, I, I really think it was, in a way, it was dogs who taught us to hunt. And you know, 
really uh, not the other way around of us teaching them, uh, you know, as far as hunting dogs goes. And the idea of fire and being around the edges of human tribes, uh, little groups, uh, we were hunter foragers, I guess, and we followed the same paths and yeah. followed the same animals probably as, as dogs did and learn from them. They could see better, hear better, run faster. They, they do just about all that stuff. They form a social unit that hunts as a pack. And uh, that modeling for us changed the way we evolved. Certainly the Neanderthals, uh, the fossil records suggest that they, they hunted on their own. They would be a family and that's it. They wouldn't hook up with other families and, you know, trying to chase down a horse uh, in 30,000 years ago uh, by just you and your your mate and a couple of kids, not going to happen. But if you have a whole tribe of people, uh, you could round up a whole herd of horses. And that 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 was uh, something that we, I think you're right. I think we learned that from the wolves. But they are, I, I guess they're our oldest relationship with the animal kingdom. And it just seems to be a language that, that we just seem to understand with them. You think that dogs over time collectively have learned how to look cute in order to please us, in order to get what they want. Oh. Sometimes I think it's it's them that are really kind of more in control of the situation. <laughs> yeah, my dogs my dog speaks uh, speaks fluent chicken in terms of like when I when I'm having chicken that my dog Tucker he and he he gets this look on his face and he's looking up at me and how can I resist? He's going to get some chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> They'll do anything for anything. <laughs> That's what I love about them. They're really out there. You started out writing in a column, I, I believe, right? Yeah. You know, uh, my, my whole history is one of uh, complete failure for most of my life. I could not sell anything. And uh, so my, my life's ambition was to be uh, a writer, couldn't do it, wound up doing a whole bunch of other jobs. I repossessed cars, I sold insurance, I did I did whatever, I, uh, computer programming, whatever it took to put food on the table while I continued to write these novels that nobody would ever read or look at or publish. And, uh, but- so What were these novels about? What is it that you wanted to write about? I thought I was about? gonna write thrillers. I thought I was going to write uh, international thrillers or mystery thrillers or crime thrillers, but it turns out there was nothing thrilling about my thrillers and it uh, <laughs> didn't go anywhere. And I uh, just happened with when, uh, when the internet came along, I just happened to start publishing this internet column. And this is back in the day before spam. And so people were actually mm -hmm. excited to get something in their email. And eventually I had uh, 52,000 subscribers, which back then before tweets and everything, wow. that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm, we showed the, the columns to the Rocky Mountain News in Denver. That's where I was living. And the guy said, the publisher said, okay. And so I had a, a first I had a newspaper column and then I had an, uh, an international column. And what was your column usually uh, about? It was humor and it was whatever whatever came into my mind. I wrote about dogs. I wrote about my car, which was always breaking down. I wrote about my daughters. And that's when mm -hmm. I wrote this column, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. And that uh, changed my life because it went, it got picked up. That's just before the term going viral was even a term. So it, it got republished in newspapers all over the world. 
And I realized, oh, I, I'm on to something here. <laughs> In fact, you could say that my whole writing career is just writing about the obvious. So I write about, yeah. you know, teenage girls don't get along with their dads. Eight simple rules. I wrote uh, how to remodel a man because uh, women would like to see men change. I wrote and then I wrote a dog's purpose. People love dogs. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty simple writer. I don't write about complex stuff. Well, you write about what a lot of people want to read about. And you write about you write about feelings, too. I think that we can't really uh that, that are hard to put to words, really. Yeah. Uh, but the way you write it, you can feel it underneath this, this uh, these feelings that we all have uh, sitting down there uh, under, like, you know, our love of dogs. And this seemed to just blossom out. So you wrote about your teenage daughter, I guess, when she was about 13 or 14, but that she also inspired you to write about a dog's purpose? Or was My daughter uh, runs a rescue in Denver now. And uh, so I learned all kinds of things about rescue that I didn't understand. I didn't understand, for example, if you want to rescue a Labradoodle, you can find a Labradoodle at a rescue that needs a home. Uh, I didn't know that. So that has really changed my writing over time. So that mm -hmm. a dog's purpose, which started out as a story I was telling uh, Catherine, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, started when you read the series you realize that more and more the dogs in them are are actual rescue dogs because it becomes more and more part of what i think yeah. is really important which is these animals they're they're lost and alone through no fault of theirs and they certainly can't get along in the world uh without people you can't you can't uh tell peaches hey peaches i'm gonna be gone for a week go hunt go hunt you know and when i come back right. see how many rabbits you got i mean it's not gonna happen yeah, it does up the stakes, doesn't it, having rescue animals. And I think your books and your movies have done so much to really help animals and help the relationship that animals have to man and to help animals out in the world. And we came very close in our first dog's journey to having that all being blown away for us by an unfortunate incident. It wasn't unfortunate on our part. It was just that somebody came and to the set and while we were filming a i guess what you call a stunt scene which was really a stunt scene it was the dog swimming in a river but it was in a pool and uh took some videotape and totally misrepresented that videotape to the press in order to i guess make some money almost sunk the ship for us as well and I would never be on a set where any animal was abused. There was, I think, one part of that videotape where, uh, you know, the dog was in the water and he was being held by one of the handlers on the side of the pool. And, you know, if, just to see it from the outside, it, you would see, well, a, he's pulling him up by his collar. But what you don't see is underneath the water, there was a table for the dog to stand on. Right. So that, you know, there would be no pressure at all on his neck. There was two scuba divers under the water, you know, when he got to the end of the pool to help him out, which you don't see. All you see is like him get to the end of the pool and he goes under the water for like, I guess, a brief second because the, the guy cut. But right after that, right after the guy cut, I saw the real film that, that they had shot that day. And right. the dog is lifted out of the water 
the dog runs back to the other side of the pool and dives in again because <laughs> that's what he loves to do. You couldn't keep Hercules <laughs> out of that pool. No, Dennis, you know, you uh, you you showed real courage and, and stones because you stepped up and told America exactly that, that you would not have been on a set for a moment if there had been a dog abuse. You would have walked. And that the film was doctored and, it, and that the, the audio was added later and the things that the people didn't see that people saw what they were told they they should see mm -hmm. and you you set them straight and i uh, i was so grateful for your appearances on uh, ellen and other shows where you just you you faced the camera and you said this isn't this isn't right this isn't what happened and i i really at that time i i said oh dennis just saved the movie because everybody was running away from it. Like the, the reaction of everybody was like, okay, well, we're, it's over. We're, we're just, you know, cancel the premiere. I've seen assassinations that people didn't react as quickly to. It was uh, that very day that, you know, PETA was coming down on it. And, you know, and if, a few animal activists and that uh, I will care to mention here at this time. But, you know, I asked, because universally called me and the execs there, and I asked them if I could see all the film that was shot that day. And I saw that entire thing from every angle, uh, a film, uh, you know, that was uncensored, uncut, you know, just raw footage and knew that it was just wrong what somebody had tried to perpetrate here. And I really have to hand yeah. it to Ellen too. Ellen, just on my word, really stood up for the movie and uh, did us a lot of good as well. But, uh, that was one for the good guys. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, we got attacked and we fought it off. And I think that, uh, you know, that that movie gets cited by so many people as being so impactful and so helpful and helping them. I mean, it, it, as if you needed a reason to love a dog. Uh, but there, I've I've heard from people who said they saw the movie and then they went out and adopted a dog. And I'm like, then mm. that's that my work here is done. That is that's yeah. what we all wanted. We all wanted to, to strengthen the bond between people and dogs mm -hmm. and help. And, you know, I think PETA says, you know, that it's an unnatural relationship that man has with dogs yeah. or that we have with any animals really. And, you know, they shouldn't be allowed. In fact, people shouldn't have pets. I just don't think that's natural because every dog I've known really wants a job. Yes. They want to feel yeah. like that they they have well a purpose, like like you said. But yeah. that comes out in the form of having a job, whether it's you know sitting in someone's lap and you know being their security dog, or if they're rounding up the cows, or if if they're just guarding the house and barking at the postman or whatever it is. That <laughs> dog is 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 doing his job. Well, this could be your co-pilot when you go out driving in the car. That's that's it. Yeah, if you have a dog that's chewing up your shoes and ripping up newspapers or or misbehaving, it's because your dog is bored and needs more of a sense of purpose. And it's real easy mm -hmm. to give them a sense of purpose. My daughter had a real hyperactive Labrador who would just destroy the house. And so she would take a barrel full of 50 tennis balls and dump them in the garage. And the dog's job was to run around and grab each tennis ball and put it back in the barrel <laughs> and just doing that every morning or doing that a couple times a day. And the dog was like, all of a sudden became very well behaved because the, the dog's wow. name was Duchess. Duchess had a purpose. How simple. And you never know when that's going to come in handy 
in life. Yeah. <laughs> right. I might take up this. Yeah. Might get a job at Wimbledon for all we know. <laughs> That'd be excellent. <laughs> what's your what's your dog's job around the house? I've got a dog that doesn't like to go for walks. He doesn't want to leave. He just wants to cuddle next to us and just be with us all day. And I I, I think you get the dog that you need when you need it. And we mm. need to spend time inside because of COVID. And we're writers, so we need to spend time inside anyway. So having a dog that just wants to be there, we're sitting, we're writing. The dog is sitting right there uh, at our feet. That's that's Tucker's. He, I think he thinks that uh, that's his purpose. And uh, when one of us moves to another chair, he gets up and follows us and sits down there. He just wants to make sure that we've got companionship. He probably knows that I'm writing dog books and he wants to provide that little extra bit of inspiration to me so that I right. know what I'm doing. Those quiet moments. That's the golden retriever I saw. Yeah, uh, he's not. Who knows what he is? He's, he looks like he's got golden in him, but he's he's got a lot of terrier. Uh, he met Peaches on set, by the way. We were we were on set uh, up in Squamish, up mm-hmm. in Canada. And when Peaches yeah. was there, Peaches was a was a pup, and Tucker totally fell for Peaches. It was it was kind of embarrassing. Everybody falls for Peaches. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, this has been like a, a golden age. Uh, this this COVID thing, not so good for us, but for dogs, it's been very interesting. I can imagine because. Everybody's home with them all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about a psychological crisis in dogs when everybody starts to go back to work and the dogs are like, what? I, I thought yeah. that phase of our life was over. I thought, well, now you stay home. What's going on? Yeah, it's, I thought you, you know, finally you got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll you finally figure out. <laughs> well, all goodbye. <laughs> But uh, yeah, well, Pe- well, Peaches has got to figure it out because she goes everywhere with me just about. Yeah. In fact, I took her on tour with me in a music tour. And she- we took like 14 plane rides in two weeks. And uh, she got to where she would just like not even need a leash in the airport. She would just be right by me and, you know, get to the gate and just go and stand behind the veterans <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting to board the plane. <laughs> That's the only thing she thought she was really special. So she could yeah. just like get on right after the veterans. Got on. <laughs> <laughs> she knows her daddy is kind of indulgent, I, I think. Yeah. But really, we've got to get going. We've got to uh, uh, next year. It's a uh, it's it's time we started shooting. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we're we're ready to go on a couple of things and we're, and we're just literally waiting for people to figure it out. I mean, we. There, I believe that there can be too many dog movies, and there have there there been a little crowded dockets with dog movies, but then yeah, wh- they're trying to copy you. Yeah, <laughs> but then when they get this, when you get to streaming video, uh, people love a dog's purpose. People love a dog's journey, mm. and uh, I, I know that because I hear from the fans every day. They're just really, really grateful during this time to have a movie that doesn't make them feel bad about anything. They, they, it's, it's a movie about love, about animals, about an, mm-hmm. a, an unbreakable bond. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. Dogs, they make you to start really think about the inside of yourself and what's going on in there instead of 
the big outside world and right whatever they, they, whatever are your doubts whatever are your insecurities no matter how you see yourself your dog is looking up at you as being the most wonderful creature ever created loves you unconditionally and you just have to say to yourself well no matter no matter how badly i've messed up this week this month whatever i'm doing whatever what mistakes i've made my dog still thinks I'm the greatest. And, you know, I mean, that's a pretty strong vote. Yeah, they're unconditional about that. That's for sure. So what plans do you have in the future about uh, what you want to write about? You know, I, uh, I'm so glad to get that question because I do still and will always probably write books from dog point of view. I love doing that. But I also love writing about family. I love writing uh, strong family value type of stuff. And uh, I like things that have a spiritual or a religious bent. This book, uh, A Dog's Perfect Christmas, has some, it's got multiple points of view. And, and one of those points of view is a dog. But it's not really a dog book. It's a family book. And I really love writing family fare. And I write a whole series of children's books. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got two separate series. One is uh, one is what we call the puppy tales. I've got eight of those out, and those are those are just books for what they call younger readers. Uh, you know, sixth grade, fifth grade, around there. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a, another series for even younger children, uh, like first, second, and third graders, uh, centering around a dog. I've got I've got uh, two of those out, and I've got two more coming out in a month, and and those will be. Uh, it's called Lily to the Rescue, and there'll be eight of those uh, so far. I've written eight. So, and, and I just love writing books for children because no matter what what a child is going through, no matter what is happening in their family or their world or or their they've got identity or whatever is happening that's making it difficult for them in the world, they can get into these books because it's it's a a dog. It's the point of view of a dog. Mm -hmm. It's not threatening. They can let their defenses down and 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 open up to something like that. It's right. It's approachable. Oh, that's fantastic. A dog's perfect Christmas. When is it? When do we expect to see that one coming out? In October 2020. It's uh, it's a Christmas book. It's intended to it's intended to be a gift book. It's a it's a little short. Price points a little lower. Beautiful cover, and I think it would make a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Well. Let's do, let's do it. I'll go out and buy about 20 of them today. I'll, my Christmas shopping will be done. You got it. <laughs> Good. Well, Bruce, I really love having you on here. And thank you so much for coming on the, on the pet show as, as well. Oh, that was a blast. Yeah. No, well, this... That was a really, yeah, I really wanted to be in on that. And that's the reason I, I really wanted to talk to you today as well. And Jimmy really loved having you on. You know, I adopted a cat. Oh, you didn't tell me that. It's all over. It's viral right now. There was a cat in Lynchburg, Tennessee, in a, the shelter there, and he was facing death row, and his name was Dennis Quaid. <laughs> so I heard about it, and you know how I'm out to save all the Dennis Quaids of the world. Yes. I couldn't help myself. Even though I'm not usually a cat person, yeah. I uh, I couldn't let the little guy go. Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, we adopted him, and he's uh, headed here today. Oh, fantastic. Well, that, that's great. He's <laughs> a black cat. Can't wait to hear what Peaches thinks of this new uh, addition to the family. Yeah, that'll be uh, – I'm kind of unsure about that myself, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> she's, she's pretty accepting. Uh, the cat's really going to be kind of the audio-up cat around here, which is – we have a house here in Mandeville Canyon, which is the our audio-up 
uh, studios. So Excellent. we're going to welcome another Dennis Quaid. <laughs> well, world, the world needs all the Dennis Quaid it can get. Well, I don't know about that, but we do need more books from Bruce Cameron. Ah, thank you. I think you're a great human being. I think what you, you've done for the world, really, with your stories and your books, hasn't even really shown the big fruit yet because they're going to go on long after we're not here. I think they really ring true, and I think I think your work will, will really last and stay with us. And my great-grandchildren will probably be reading your stuff, I'm sure. But thank you, Bruce. Thank you. And hey, and thank you for making me a Denisance man. I'm uh, proud to wear the <laughs> label, and I'll go out into the world now knowing that uh, that's who I am. Well, I hope to be seeing you soon. And uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's, let's keep do checking that. in. Okay. You got to Yeah. Stay safe. All right. All right. See you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.